Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Philippians 3 verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, Not as though... I had already attained either were already perfect but I follow after if that I may apprehend for that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus brethren I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do and there's something I, I, I want to draw a Attention here. He says this one thing, then he mentions two items as though they're one. He says this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, number one, and reaching forth into those things which are before, number two. I press toward the mark for the high prize, for the prize of the high calling, rather, of God in Christ Jesus. With the help of the Spirit tonight, I want to minister simply this. The chase. The chase. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray together right now. Father, I love you. God, I appreciate you this evening. Thankful, Lord, for what we have experienced, Lord, in this house, in this place today. I pray, oh God, let that same spirit abide here, Lord, through the duration, Lord Jesus, of the ministry of your word. God, I pray, Lord, arouse our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits. Help us to branch out, Lord Jesus, and do and conquer lord jesus endeavor to pursue god everything that you would have everything that you desire for your people lord jesus in your kingdom i pray lord let us look with hope and anticipation god for those things lord that are still god ahead of us and before us and god will be grateful and thankful lord jesus for your accomplishment lord jesus in this place in this church in this community god in this place god i love and adore you jesus i magnify you oh god today you're forever, Lord Jesus, God adored here. In Jesus' name that I pray, can the church say amen? Can we clap our hands another time into the Lord, if you will? Hallelujah. What a wonderful God. You may be seated tonight. In the lovely name of the Lord, look at your neighbor and say, The chase. The chase. <clears throat> And I'll, I'll, I'll be mindful of you all this evening. But there was something that just laid upon my heart, upon my soul. Perhaps yesterday in our travel home, I had four hours to think. Dangerous. Had four hours to think in our journey home. It was just my wife and I, and uh, she chose to take some time to relax. And I think I may have heard her uh, cutting some Z's off over there to my right, if I remember correctly. And as we were going home uh, yesterday from spring conference and we were traveling south on Route 1, I was coming down that direction at a pleasant, a pleasant speed, mind you, what I would deem a pleasant speed coming down Route 1. Uh, there was a, a little small uh, rinky-dink, uh, small bed pickup truck that pulled out in front of us from a connecting road onto uh, Route 1 going at a 
much uh, lesser rate of speed than I, than my pleasant speed that I was going at. And so as it pulled out in front, of course, I did the proper thing and I reduced uh, my speed and journeyed behind this uh, little pickup truck for some time. And as we journeyed behind it, and eventually I, I drew my wife's attention to it, uh, as we were journeying behind it, I took special notice of a, a, of a dog that was in the bed of that pickup truck now sister Rhonda I don't know what type of dog it is now I, I'm not the I'm not no uh, professional on the breeds of dogs okay but there was some just dog back there in the back of that pickup truck uncertain of what type of breed it was but nevertheless its activity in the back of that pickup truck was uh, that that was typical of most dogs and that dog was sitting there in the back, and it interested me so much that I finally pointed it out to my wife. And he was acting normal, I guess, as a dog would act in the back of a pickup. Any other dog in its position would probably acted like this dog was acting. It sat toward the front, toward the back end there of the cab, toward the cab it sat. It was on the driver's side. Its head was leaned over to the left of the cab, facing forward, its tongue protruding down the left side of its jaw, flapping in the wind, and you could almost at times see drool. There was <laughs> and he was enjoying the trip. I mean, undoubtedly, this dog was enjoying the trip in this slow-paced vehicle. He was just acting like a typical dog that was in the back of the truck. However, when this dog, saw approaching traffic, it would get up on all fours. And with a sense of anticipation and a wagging of a tail and a hunching down of its shoulders with its front paws outstretched, when an oncoming car was approaching and arrived where that dog was now standing, right behind the cab, it would chase the car all the way to the tailgate of that truck and then go back to its place and if no other vehicles were coming would set back down. We traveled long enough behind this man and I stayed behind. I don't know if, I, don't know if I wasn't allowed to pass or maybe I was just too caught up in the dog. But I was sitting there and there was coming another vehicle and here it was replayed again. The dog, his tongue's hanging out his mouth. He's looking forward and all of a sudden here comes a car. Son, he is hunched. He is ready for the prey. And it's approaching. Now I've seen other dogs in the back cars. Cars come and go and they sit right there and tongue still hanging out the mouth. But this dog, he's ready for the attack. And he got up and there went that vehicle. And there went the dog. I mean, he ran to the extent that he went, could, I don't know, they had a bumper pad on the back of the tailgate, but that dog was in a full run in that short bed truck. And he would go back, and all of a sudden, there were several vehicles. And it was hilarious to me. That dog's going to the front, and he's coming back, and and he's, he's just back and far. And so I'm sitting here and I'm pointing this out to my wife. I got a I smirk on my face. I'm, I'm laughing within myself about what is all going on. And after that, the man finally turned off. I don't know if he was a farmer or what he was. He finally turned off in his good old dog. And, and after that, it's all said and done. I'm continuing going down the road. And I'm a thinking. 
And I thought to myself, Brother Terry, you know, it's hard for that dog to chase those cars when he's limited by that bed of the truck. In a moment, I even thought to myself that I wonder how far that dog would have chased those vehicles if he didn't have any limitations. I wonder if that same dog would run the length of his yard to follow one of those vehicles. I wonder if that dog would run a mile. I wonder if that dog would keep running if he thought he could catch up with the vehicle. I wonder even if he would just keep on running if he couldn't catch up with the vehicle. And I begin to think to myself, Sister Craig, is part of the joy of chasing after the moving car, catching it, or just in the simple pursuit of it? There's just a basic instinct inside of that dog that caused him to react the way that he reacted toward that moving object. He couldn't have captured the car or ate the car, but there's just a drive of instinct inside of him that made him want to pursue the car. The Apostle Paul in our scripture setting this evening is speaking to you and I and he states unequivocally and very plainly that he had not already attained. He had though in certain degrees reached plateaus and places in God. He had experienced some good and pleasurable things in the Lord. But he's basically relaying to you and I that he had not obtained or attained everything there is to attain in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, he said, I follow after. Because I've not yet attained everything. Although I've had some glimpses and very good happenings in my life, although I've experienced the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in my own life, I've not yet attained everything. And by virtue of not having done that, he says, I'm still in the chase. I'm still in the pursuit of wanting to obtain. But he goes on just a little further. He says, I don't count myself. He even explains a little further. I, have not, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But then he says, this one thing I do. There's one thing that I, I don't consider to have gotten it all, apprehended it all, had my grasp upon it all, but this one thing Paul believed he had apprehended. And as I said to you this evening, this one thing he says basically in two items held together by the conjunction and. He says, amen, this one thing I have apprehended, forgetting the past and reaching for the future or for what is in front of me. Can someone say amen? It's summertime, hallelujah. 
He says, this, there, this one thing have I, this one thing I've grasped a hold of. This one thing I have got. This one thing I have obtained. This one thing I have apprehended. And that is to forget what is behind me. But notice the second thing that he mentioned that's a part of this one. He did not say the next thing he had apprehended or the next thing that he had attained is everything that's in front of him. He did not say that he attained everything in front of him, but the one thing he had a grasp on was the reaching, the chasing, the pursuing of everything that was still in front of him. Can I tell us as apostolics in this church building today, we need to somehow assume the same character of the apostle Paul. If there's one thing we get our hand on, let's get our hand on the pursuit. Let's get our hand on the chase. Although you haven't had it all or reached it all, don't stop trying and chasing after it all. We reach certain plateaus in God and I'm thankful for those places. As a church and individually, we reach certain plateaus in God and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for my salvation experience and other things in the course of my life that I have could, could put up as high watermarks in God. Amen. But it should not, it better not stop there. There should always be the pursuit. There should always be the chase because there is more in front of you. There is more things to get your hand upon. There are more things to obtain than what you've obtained thus far. There is for the, there is for people sitting right here that's been in church for 35, 40 years. Uh-huh. Learn longer than that. We have the Weisenbergers back there. At their age, walk with God, they're still yet in the chase. There's one thing that they grabbed a hold of. There's no place to stop chasing. There's no place to stop pursuing. There's no place to give up in the chase. Now, I'm trying to speak in terms in which we can understand tonight in the game that some would call tag or we might call it chase some people do some of the greatest moments of exhilaration as a kid whenever we were playing chase for me personally were not whenever I captured someone but it's when I was running after someone you capture and it's said and done it's over it's out but as long as you're still in the running mode and you're laughing and you're trucking it and the adrenaline's pumping and all this euphoria is coming over you because you're in the chase and we're endeavoring to capture someone. The exhilaration is, you say, well, Brother McGee, and listen, I speak with all diligence here tonight, but I'm just not excited like I used to be excited. I just don't feel like I used to feel. Perhaps you stopped chasing. Perhaps you stopped pursuing because the exhilaration and the feeling and the overwhelming excitement comes whenever you have a desire to still obtain, of still reaching out, of still trying to, what are you talking about, Brother McGee? I get excited when I talk about door knockers on every door in Mount Carmel. Why we've never done that before we never obtained that what are you doing I'm in the chase I'm in the pursuit I'm going somewhere going to do something I've never done before that's exhilarating that's exciting you'll never die as long as you keep chasing someone say amen see you have you have downturned heads and you have disappointed looks upon the faces of kids whenever they begin to misunderstand the fun of the chase. 
although it would seem like the objective is to catch, the fun is in the pursuit. <laughs> and I, I've seen some kids at times in my observation now as a parent I found most kids that said they couldn't catch anyone finally did as long as they kept pursuing as long as they kept chasing because the saddest of all the kids are those that stopped in the pursuit Some even limit their pursuit and limit their chase because they didn't catch the last time they pursued. Sometimes we get so caught up in the capture mentality we can't enjoy the trip to the capture. Paul says, I might not have the capturing thing down pat yet. He says, but I got this chase thing down pat. It's not going to discourage me from quit, from, quit, from trying. It's not going to discourage me. Amen. To I'm going to just hang my harp on a willow, but I'm going to pursue. I'm going to chase. I'm going to endeavor. I'm going to search. I'm going to seek. I'm going to want. I'm going to desire. I know it's there. And if I keep up doing what I'm doing, I will finally capture one of these days. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. The chase. Listen, if you will, and consider for a moment the character Moses. The life of Moses. Walk with me for a little bit while we talk about Moses. Because for Moses, it was a miracle of God that Moses even existed past the day of his birth. God caused his parents to keep him, to protect him for three months. And amazing still to me, Brother Mason, is that he would be reared in the house of Pharaoh. Although, listen, this is amazing to me. Although Pharaoh's daughter knew Moses to be one of the Hebrew children. And so somehow in there, Brother Bishop McGee, I don't know how it all worked, but somehow in all there, against his own decree, Pharaoh allows his daughter to keep a Hebrew child in the palace. He eats at their table, educated by their teachers. Moses, listen to me now, has seen a bush burning on the backside of a desert and not being consumed. Burning, but no consumption. Moses heard the voice of the Lord speak from that same burning bush. Amen. Moses would have God speak to him oftentimes, unlike any other person, unlike any other prophet that preceded him. The Bible says that God would speak to Moses face to face as a man would speak to his friend. He had a special relationship with Moses. Moses, the Bible says, has seen his rod turned into a serpent and back into a rod. He had seen his hand become leprous, put it into his bosom and bring it back out and it's recovered into a healthy hand again. He has seen Aaron's rod turn into a serpent and swallow up the rods or if you will serpents of Pharaoh's servants. Moses saw the unfolding of the ten plagues in Egypt. He saw water turned to blood. 
He saw numerous frogs come upon the land, lice upon the land, flies upon all the Egyptians because he was obedient to God. According to the power of God, all of the cattle of the Egyptians died, but none of the Israelites. Moses witnessed all of that. Moses saw God bring boils upon all the Egyptians and their livestock, the Bible says. He witnessed the hail that fell upon the Egyptians, the locusts that overtake the Egyptians, and the darkness that could be felt come upon the Egyptians while there were still lights on in Goshen. Moses witnessed all of this. He witnessed the death of the firstborn of the Egyptians because they did not have the atoning blood of the lamb. We understand that Moses crossed over the impassable Red Sea with the full nation of Israel. It was a miracle. Everybody say a miracle of God. He went to Mara where there were bitter waters and God said there's a tree pluck it up throw it in the waters and I'll make the bitter waters sweet and Moses witnessed the waters becoming sweet because of following the instruction of God. He ate quail from heaven. He ate manna from heaven and he seen water and partook of water that flowed from a rock. Everybody say that's Moses. Now you want to start talking about reaching some plateaus. About having some experiences. Some feel goods. Being able to participate in the supernatural. Moses did. Furthermore, he experienced God at Mount Sinai. The mount that did quake and smoke and fire fell upon it. Describes it that there were thunderings and lightnings. Moses seen all of that. He spoke of God at that mountain. He fellowshiped with God on the top of that mount for 40 days and 40 nights. This is absolutely superior to what I've experienced in life. I mean, this is something else. Everything that he's seen, everything that he's experiencing, he received the Ten of Commandments up there. He received the pattern to the tabernacle of the wilderness up there. All of this takes place in the life of Moses concerning God. Yet, listen. Yet, Moses still pleads in Genesis 33, 18 unto God after all these things have happened. After the plagues have come, after he's passed over the waters and water's been made sweet and water came up from a rock. After he's experienced all these things in Moses 33, in Genesis 33, 18, Moses still pleads with God and says, God, Lord, I beseech thee, shew me thy glory. Call me the dog in the back of the truck with my head kind of half cocked with a weird look on my face. Huh? You've seen the Red Sea part. Your hands become leprous and then not leprous again. Your rod's been a serpent and then a rod again. You fellowship with God for 40 days on a mountain. It quaked with fire. Fire fell there, smoked all, all this. What in the world are you telling me? God, show me your glory. Because Moses understood. I've attained something. but I don't count myself to have apprehended everything. But this one thing I do, I thank God for the Red Sea opening, but there's still some parts of God I still want to see. I've seen the miracle of man and quail from heaven, but there's
there's still some parts of God and I'm seeking for it. I'm pursuing it. I'm chasing. I'm telling the First Apostolic Church tonight, we need to whet our appetite. Some of you could stand here flat-footed tonight and say what God's done in your life and the life of the church, and that's well and fine, but we need to have the mentality of Moses. I've seen all this, and I've experienced all of this, but there's one thing I've apprehended. I can never stop desiring or chasing or pursuing God. an exhilaration and excitement that comes in the pursuit the chase I like any of you stand by Moses and say that you've experienced more than he has and yet he still has that type of insatiable desire to seek for more to see more to have something else happen in his life, then if that's the case for Moses, I'm definitely no better than Moses. Let me stand there with an appetite that's great, with a fervor that's hot, that says, God, I've seen what you've done in my evangelistic years. I've seen what you've done in my family. But God, here I am, pastor, year number three in this church. I'm looking for more. I'm pursuing more. I'm chasing. I know what you've done in Kingsburg Pentecostal Church, one and two, and this is number three. But I'm looking for more. I'm desiring more. I'm wanting more. You filled numerous ones in one night with the Holy Ghost but I'm looking for more I've desired God help me get the chase down pat let me get the pursuit down pat let my desire be down pat look at your neighbor and say don't stop chasing Moses, what are, what are you admitting to by saying, show me your glory? What are you admitting to, Moses? Moses, are you, are you admitting to the simple fact that you're not satisfied with what God has already done? No, no, no. Wrong interpretation. By Moses' request, that wasn't because he wasn't satisfied with what God had already done. But what it meant was simply this. He liked what God done. He liked what he experienced. And so he wanted more and more and more and more. Honey, if you've liked what God's done, in your life what you've experienced in the church don't stop there there is more in front of you pursue chase hard after <laughs> this is my personal belief I felt like the Holy Ghost laid on my mind and heart today Paul says Count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing, one thing, I do. And here comes the twofold, the twofold oneness. <laughs> Forgetting those things which are behind. And reach for the things that are before. This one thing. You know why I believe Paul summed that up that he had apprehended that one thing? Listen to me. Because your past. Your past, the remembrance of your past. Go as far back as you want. The remembrance of your 
past. Your before Christ past has a way of limiting your ability to chase. If I'm putting an analogy in terms that we all can understand, your past is the bed of the truck that the dog's in. You're eager to chase. You're eager to pursue. But you run till you hit the end of the tailgate of your past. You're hunched down with anticipation. You're hunched down just waiting to flex those muscles in the chase. But you run and you hit the tailgate of your past. And so your chase is limited by your limitations and your confines of your past. So I believe clearly then Paul said, this one thing I've apprehended is this, because I can't truly apprehend the chase if I don't forget my past. I can't truly do and run as far as I want to run and as strong as I want to run and as long as I want to run, as long as I'm held captive by my past. What is this, Brother McGee? I'll tell you what this is. It's because there's people in this assembly, in this church, that I've seen the anticipation of that dog in you. But you know what? You're running back and forth in the bed of the truck of your past. And you've been met with frustration every time you went in full stride only to find, boom, I'm still incarcerated by my past. I know we're Christians. I know we've been blocked by, by the blood of the Lamb and we've had the baptism of the Holy Ghost and all that's great and fine. But there's Holy Ghost-filled people that are still contending with their past. Listen, allowing it to be a very horrible guardsman over the prison of your life. The past is a great thing to somehow remind you about where you are, but it is a horrible guardsman, amen, to incarcerate you from going any further than where you presently are. And so he wants to keep you in the bed of the truck. He just wants you to go back and forth. Where, where, where path out in the back of that truck, oh dog? But what would happen? Ask me the question, what would happen, Brother McGee, if the dog ever got out of the back of the truck? How far would it run? How long would it run? Would it catch up with what it was pursuing would it not matter to the dog anyway because he was just having fun in the chase in the pursuit I'm asking you tonight what would you do if you didn't have your past confining you and restricting you and limiting you and showing up in your memory bank to somehow be a defeat voice in your head that says you can't chase that and pursue that remember Don't mind me calling you a bunch of dogs when I'm asking the dogs tonight. How far would you run after God if you didn't have past that you were contending with? How long would you run after God? What would you do truly in the first apostolic church if incarcerating memories of yesterday were not lingering around and being offense to you? You have to be like Paul. You don't have to apprehend some things. The one thing that he speaks together as a whole, as one unit, 
is both the forgetting and the chasing because he understood plainly I can't properly chase and still be held captive by my past and so if I'm going to apprehend the chase I got to learn how to forget because whenever I learn how to forget there's no limitations to my chase Listen to me today. Some of you might be thinking back, hey man, to before you knew Christ. But there's some people saying in the sound of my voice, hear me well. I feel instructed of the Holy Ghost tonight. There's some people here tonight that are just limited by last week, by what occurred last week in your life. Perhaps a failure, a mistake, a wrong deed. You're just being held captive by something that held last week. And you're starting to hit the tailgate of your past. And God's trying to say, pursue, pursue, go forward and chase. And you feel incarcerated because that's a fresh memory of just last week. Let me tell you, just forget it. Get over and get in the chase. <laughs> Folks, we're, we're drawing from an un, unending well here. It doesn't run dry. So don't limit your drawing based upon that theory that, honey, we're going to reach the bottom of this. You're not going to reach the bottom of it in God. Happy in the chase. Hold you for a little while longer because I'm already longer than what I thought. In 2 Kings chapter 2, there's a prophet that we know to be by the name of Elijah who has an understudy that he's grooming by the name of Elisha. Elijah is on the verge of being taken from this life to his next life. By the whirlwind of chariots and the horses that come down. Elisha is with Elijah. They come to a city by the name of Gilgal. And Elijah, even before even parting from there, even before going there, he tells Elisha, you stay here. I'm going to Gilgal. Now, Elisha has been under the ministry and tutorship of Elijah long enough that he's experienced the supernatural hand of God through the prophet Elijah. Yet, when Elijah says, stay, something in Elisha says, I got to go. When Elijah says, don't trouble yourself about going to Gilgal, Elisha says, uh-uh, I'm following. I'm pursuing. And they go to Gilgal. Listen to me now. And Gilgal was that place that they went to where they first went over into the land it's the place where they where they circumcised the children of Israel because circumcision had been out of practice during the wilderness journeys. It was the place, if you will, of a new beginning. It was a place where that portion of the flesh was removed. And you know what? Elisha says, he says, I'm going to Gilgal with you. I'm going to that place of beginning. I'm going to that place where the flesh is removed. They get there and Elijah says, I'm going over yonder to Bethel. Now, Elisha, you stay here at Gilgal. 
You stay here where the flesh has been removed. You stay here at the beginning. Elisha though, satisfied with the beginning, but hungry for more. Says Elijah, I'm coming after you, man. I'm following harder. I'm in the chase. He says, I'm not going to be contented just with the beginning. I'm not going to be contented with just what we experienced at Gilgal. I'm following you to Bethel. And they go to Bethel, which as you know to be the house of God. It's that place that Jacob seen that ladder stretched up to heaven. Angels descending and ascending upon the ladder. It's the place where you connect and reconnect with God. He went there. And as they were there, Elijah spent his time there. He says, uh, Elisha? He says, uh, I'm going over to over here to Jericho. Guess what he said? You stay here. Stay here at the house of God. Stay here where you connect and reconnect. You just stay here. See what happens in our Christian walk with the Lord. There would be some places like Gilgal, our beginning, and our Bethel's, our house of God, where we connect and reconnect with God, that some of us, we don't watch ourselves, we'll grow contented just to stay right there and no longer pursue. No longer chase. No longer to endeavor to go any further than what we believe has been the high water mark in our spiritual world but not Elisha. He says, I'm not staying here. This is a great place. I deem it as a great place. It's been great to be here, but I understand there's another place that we can go. And so Elijah, if you're going to Jericho, I'm on my way, honey. I'm coming to Jericho. And he chases and he pursues Elijah to Jericho. Jericho being that first city that was conquered. That city that was conquered. Amen. That city where the first fruits could be given. Amen. Unto the Lord of that place. And where they could partake of the spoils. That place where they celebrated their victory. But you're there for a while. I just says, yeah, it's time for me to move on. But Elisha, you just stay right, right here. You know, there's some victories that God has granted us in our life that we've remained at and not went any further. There's some things that he's ex- exercised in our life that that has been the epitome of what the goal we had pictured in our mind. Let me tell you, if there's a goal that you've ever reached in God, there's always another goal beyond that one. If there's a spiritual plateau or peak that you ever desired to be in, amen, go to in God, and you reach that one, let me tell you, there's a higher peak. It might be above the clouds and a little obscure, but there's a higher peak than that that he's summoned you up to. And so he goes to Jordan, which represents death. It's there we die. It's where God continues to live. And so the chase was on for Elisha. Amen. It was more, amen, than what he got from the beginning. He continued to chase. He didn't stop at Bethel. He didn't stop at Jericho. He wanted what Elijah had, and he wanted more of what Elijah had. Amen. And even after he got what he desired, even after he got the mantle, and even after that double portion fell upon his life, and he got that, and he was just overwhelmed by that. He got so much more in so much that the Bible says that Elisha, amen, we understand if you count them, had twice the miracles performed through his life than Elijah did. 
this is amazing to me. He had such a desire, an insatiable desire for the pursuit and for the chase of there being something more that the last miracle that made double for him compared to Elijah was not carried about until he was already dead. His desire and unction and chase and the pursuit so strong in him. God says, man, this is so strong in this man that the double miracle idea, that last miracle even wasn't final until that guy's already dead and cold in the grave. But the Lord knew how strong the chase mentality and the... And the Bible records this, and you understand with me, you good people. 2 Kings 13, verse 21 says, And it came to pass, as they were burying a man, that behold, they spied a band of men. They thought they were going to be overtaken, that some harm was going to be done to them, so they needed to hurry up. And they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. His life was so marked by having apprehended the chase and forgot about his past that even after he's dead, there's something in a dead man's bones that was still in pursuit of what was still available from God. What are you saying, Brother McGill? I'm saying you need to have a pursuit that when everything else dies in your life, it doesn't. You need to have such a zeal and a desire when everything is pushing up tulips, that desire for the pursuit, that desire for the chase is still alive. So tonight, do not be the dog that's in the back of the pickup truck that have other people musing over your running in the same place, yet he held by the same thing. Break out of the pickup truck. Break out of being held captive by your past. And let's see how far your feet's going to take you. Let's see how far your desire is going to compel you. Let's see how far your hunger is going to drive you. To go beyond just getting manna and quail from heaven. But God, I'm wanting to see the Red Sea open. God, I'm wanting to see, Lord, your glory. Shew it to me. Because that is very satisfying. But all that did for me was to kindle a greater desire for something I've yet to receive, yet to experience. Holy Ghost is great. But don't just become satisfied and mediocre in that. Let that birth in you a desire for more and more. Whatever I can experience, whatever I can see in God's house, in my life, in my family concerning God, I'm chasing it. I'm chasing it. I'm pursuing it. I'm going after it. I'm not going to settle for less. I'm asking us tonight as individuals, as the church collectively, to apprehend the one thing. One thing. Twofold, one thing. That's all I'm asking tonight. That we take upon ourselves the spirit of the Apostle Paul and just do this one thing. 
I'm closing. I am. They say. They say. This is what I read today at least. I may be wrong. They may have been wrong. They say. Professional dog instructors and trainers say. Said you want to get that dog to stop chasing the vehicles. As a vehicle is approaching. Call to the dog. And allure its tension to something else. Distract the dog. Alerts attention to something, especially a treat. You know, a little treat, something good, you know, a pleasurable thing. Distract the dog. And the more times that a car comes by that it wants to chase, if you'll distract the dog with the treat, whenever the car comes by, you won't have to say anything. It'll automatically begin to turn its head towards you, expecting some pleasurable thing. Honey, I'm in a chase. My God's aware of that. My enemy's aware of that. And he's trying to pull the tactic that as I'm trying to hunger and desire more of God, he's calling my name. He's patting his leg. He's trying to distract and divert my attention from where my instinctive abilities of being who and what I am are driving towards. He's trying to give me a little pleasurable nugget And if I keep diverting and keep getting distracted before long, he's not going to even have to say anything. I'm just going to turn that direction. And the chase is over. But I tell you what, call me an old ornery dog tonight. Because I want something to get in my spirit that let the enemy of my soul pat his leg, call my name, have the best gravy biscuit he wants, all right, over there beside him. But I want my mind, my attention to be still toward the chase. Have the same hunger, the same instinctive drive that God placed in me from the very... Somebody needs to refuse the gravy biscuit tonight and just go on and chase the car. Somebody needs to get back in the pursuit and go hard after what God has placed in you to desire. And that's more of him. Let's raise our hands right now to the Lord. Let's begin talking to God. We're going to open these altars. I wish somebody would pursue. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.